Brilliant. Well, once again, uh, welcome everyone. And I know uh, we've got some of our regulars, not just uh, those who you regularly come to the building, but uh, it's amazing to see. When I look at all the names of people on Facebook, on YouTubers, and uh, uh, Christian up there in Centurion, we've got people all the way down in George, mom, dad, hope you well. And uh, just all of you regulars from different parts of the countries as well. country as well. Thanks for joining us. And uh, hope it's not weird. Hope you're comfortable. But uh, now let's tuck into God's word. We've got a lot to cover this morning, and I'm trusting that God is going to be speaking to us. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity once again to study your word together. And I pray that you would use this medium of technology to bring your word with power and with anointing. Thank you, Lord God, that you are everywhere. We don't have to be in a special building to experience God because you are everywhere. And thank you that you're the great teacher. It doesn't require my skill. It requires your anointing. Holy Spirit, you are the the spirit of truth who leads and guides us into all truth. And I'm praying that you would come and do it today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, I want to hear a louder amen. Did you say amen at home? Otherwise, uh, it's just very quiet here. That's better. Thanks, musos. I've got a few people at least uh, listening in the building today. So we're doing this journey called I Am, a journey of discovering the greatness of God because... His name, the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty fortress. The righteous run to it and they are safe. And that should be the norm for every follower of Jesus. When the going gets tough, we run to the name of the Lord our God. Now, before I get into today's topic, there's a a big congratulations that I want to uh, send out there. So uh, we've got this amazing couple in church, and you can't not love TJ and Phyllis. TJ and Phyllis, if you guys are watching at home, we absolutely love you. And yesterday was their 50th wedding anniversary. So uh, why don't you put in the comments right now, just a shout out to TJ and Phyllis, congratulations. And while you're at it, if you are watching right now, whether YouTube, Facebook, wherever it might be, if you have had a 50th anniversary, please put your names in the comments. Come on, mom, dad, that's for you guys as well. Put your names in the comments if you've celebrated a 50th anniversary and the rest of us, let's just send them some love and congratulations. Because here's the thing. We serve a God who loves covenants, and marriage is a covenant, and and God is honored when we are faithful within a covenant. God's uh, created covenants, and we celebrate them, and today I really believe that God wants to commend people who honor covenants. Now, the true primary covenants as followers in Christ and for those who are married is Firstly, we are in a covenant with God through Jesus Christ, the new covenant. When we are baptized into Christ, like that wedding ceremony where it says to become one, when we baptize, we are joined to Christ in the new covenant. And then, of course, there is the marriage covenant. You know, when, when a, a husband and a wife, and I've had the privilege of doing so many weddings, when, when they come together and they say their I do's, and then that night they consummate the marriage, the two become one flesh, and covenant is made, which is a sacred and glorious thing before God. Covenants are sacred bonds of trust that bring special favor and protection. And because covenants are so huge to God, there's a name of God that we are going to be learning about today which is powerful and yet a little bit controversial. And so with that in mind, I want us to read a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to unpack the name of God that we're going to be studying today. So Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 to 16, and it says the following. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. 
the people who live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out, excuse me, before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty. That word treaty is the same as the word covenant. Be careful not to make a covenant with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, here it is, for the Lord, whose name is? Jealous is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty, a covenant, with those who live in the land. For when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Yikes. The name of God that we are going to be studying today is called Jehovah Kwana, which means God of jealousy. He is a jealous God. And, and for most people, when they hear that, that, you think jealousy, but that's negative. That's a sin. Well, we're going to study a little bit deeper. And I'm hoping today, as I've been pondering, meditating, and praying this, I'm praying that you will have a revelation moment that makes you go, wow, God, you are truly amazing. So, up to verse 11, the first little part that we read today, where God said, I'm making a covenant with you, all the pe- among all, before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in all of the world. The people who live among will see how awesome the work that I, the Lord, will do, obey what I command you. In other words, the first part of that passage is God was describing the conditions of the covenant. Now, remember, a covenant, <laughs> covenant, a covenant is an agreement, a sacred agreement. Just when you go into marriage, I agree to be faithful to you for the rest of my life, and there's a covenant entered into. So the same thing. God was entering a covenant with his people, and he said, I will do wonders among you. I will drive out all of your enemies. I will be with you. And what's your condition? You need to obey everything that I have told you. I'll treat you like no other nation in the world. What do you have to do? But among you, don't go and chase after their gods and be unfaithful. You see, that's the covenant agreement. The big idea comes in verse 12, and this is what I want us to catch. If you can pop verse 12 up on the screen again, it says, Be careful not to make a treaty or a covenant with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare. Think about this. You see, here's the big idea. This is what I want you to grab hold of today. Good covenants are meant to be a blessing. A marriage covenant is meant to be a blessing. It should bring favor and protection and love and strength. Good covenants are a blessing. Bad covenants are a snare. That's it. And God knows it. We make covenants, illegitimate covenants, bad covenants always become a snare for us. And that's what God is trying to say. I want, I want you to protect this beautiful covenant. I want it to be a blessing in your life. So good covenants are a blessing. Bad covenants become a snare. We make covenants when we give our hearts to something more than God. Now that's called idolatry. If you go chasing after other gods, other things, we'll look at some examples in a moment. You end up making a covenant when you, you give your heart to something. Another example, we make covenants when we worship money. It becomes our master. 
Here's another example. We make covenants, listen carefully, through sexual intercourse. That's what the Bible said. It says the two become one flesh. This is why sexual immorality is so dangerous because every time you're having sexual intercourse, you are making a covenant. Good covenants, blessing, marriage. Bad covenants become a snare. This is why our God takes it so seriously. So big, good, good covenants become a blessing. Bad covenants become a dangerous snare. But here's the question. Isn't, I mean, isn't jealousy a sin? I mean, if you think about it, isn't it a, isn't it a sin to be jealous? Isn't that a bit like insecure, needy? And uh, Well, the question is maybe similar to this. Is anger a sin? Well, anger certainly can be a sin. It's a dangerous thing. But actually, anger itself is not a sin. The Bible says, in your anger do not sin. The Bible says, be slow to anger. So anger in itself, Jesus got angry, and we'll see in a moment, when he was in the temple courts. But anger taken too far or with a bad motive becomes a sin. Same thing with jealousy. We're going to recognize and realize, hopefully today, that jealousy itself in a covenant is a beautiful and powerful and protecting thing. Outside a covenant or with a wrong motive, yes, then it becomes a sin. In fact, it's a dangerous thing in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. It said, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, that's the same word, jealousy, rots the bones. Isn't that hectic? Yo. So in other words, living with jealousy is definitely not recommended because jealousy seems to affect you deep inside. Your very bones begin to suffer if you live with jealousy. Proverbs 27 verse 4 says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? So yes, jealousy is a dangerous thing. Outside of covenant, let me say that again, outside of covenant, jealousy is a sin. But within covenant, jealousy is a safeguard, which we're going to look at in a moment. And what I want you to notice is every time it speaks about God's jealousy, the same sentence always includes the word covenant. I have made a covenant with you. I'm a jealous God. God is not jealous out there or envious of. He's jealous for us and for the covenant and the blessings that should go with it. So within covenant, jealousy becomes a protection from the snares of bad covenants. Let me say that again. Within a covenant, jealousy becomes a protection from the snares of falling into bad covenants, which is a powerful thing. So think about it like this. I mean, if you were, if you were a loving spouse and you discovered that your spouse was cheating, if you didn't feel jealousy, then actually you never really loved that person because jealousy arouses a fire inside of us, a passion because you want to protect the covenant and the person that you love. In fact, jealousy and dealing with jealousy was actually part of the Old Testament law. It, it was not a sin, but it's very interesting if you study how, how jealousy worked in the Old Testament. If a spouse was concerned that their spouse was being unfaithful to them, here's the thing. You never went and dealt with it directly. In other words, you wouldn't even deal with your spouse. You wouldn't even deal with the person you think was cheating with your spouse. What does it say? Go to the priest. And the priest dealt with it. So once again, jealousy itself within a covenant is not a sin. It's a protection of the covenant. But what we do with it and how we deal with it, that's what's important to God. So... It said, be careful not to make a treaty or a covenant. Tolerating foreign gods, worshiping other gods was seen as making covenants with them, which aroused the Lord's jealousy. So, Jehovah Kwanah, 
That is the name of God. That's the Hebrew word that is used, and uh, that word means jealous, an adjective or title used exclusively of God, focusing on his desire for exclusive relationships. Six times we see in the Old Testament, God is described as a jealous God. Let me give you another example in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says, be careful not to forget the covenant, see there it is again, of the Lord, your God, that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I love that because right here, that word fire gives us insight into what that word jealous really means. The heart of jealous. In fact, one of the better ways to understand jealous is to think rather of the word zealous. Because jealousy and zealously, well, I don't know if that works, but are almost the same thing. Zealous, it speaks about the fight. It comes from the same root word, and they're used interchangeably. I'll show you in a moment. The zeal of our God, the fire inside of our God, wants to protect us from the snare of bad covenants. So the word fire gives us a clue as to exactly what this kind of jealousy of God is. It's certainly not a weakness, and it's certainly not a petty insecurity. Jealousy is better understood as zealous. It's a fire of purity that burns in the heart of God for the protection of his people and for that covenant. In fact, it doesn't reveal anything. God has no weaknesses. Actually, the fact that we serve a jealous God doesn't reveal a weakness in God. It actually reveals a weakness in us. And sadly, our human hearts are prone to going astray. That's why God's fire of his zeal is there, because he wants us exclusively for himself. Let me give you a New Testament example, a beautiful picture of Jesus. How I mean, we think about the Father, zealous God. I mean, jealous God. But what about Jesus? Well, there's that amazing story in John chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And it says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And guess what? That comes from Psalm 69 verses 9. That's where that, uh, that, that quote they remembered, zeal for your house consumed me. Guess what the word zeal means? Jealous, same word. In other words, here's Jesus. Jealousy for his father's house consumed him. In other words, that fire we see once again, because what had happened is the Pharisees, the very ones who were supposed to be protecting the temple as the sacred holy place had turned it into a market. They'd given into greed. Their hearts had gone off to the idolatry of worshiping money and greed. In fact, the temple court was the only place the Gentiles could go to worship God. They weren't allowed in the holy place. They weren't allowed in the holy of holies. So as Gentiles, if they wanted to worship God, all they could do was go into the outer court, but not anymore because now it was a flea market of all of these cattle and money changers, which is why some translations say, my father's house is called a house of prayer for all nations. But now it's not for all nations because there's no room. All of your cattle and things have driven the Gentiles out of the temple. And that zeal, that jealousy of the Father, the covenant people, we see it acting inside of Jesus. Now guess what? If that was Jesus' zeal 
for the old temple, guess what? We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, it says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Do you understand why God is passionate? Not because he's old-fashioned, but because he knows our bodies are temples designed to carry the presence of the Holy Spirit, and any sexual immorality is making bad covenants, and bad covenants become a snare. That's why Jesus is so passionate about it. So let me take a sip of water. I'm getting passionate. And let me share with you just uh, three implications. When we get a revelation now, of the name of the Lord is jealous. He is a jealous God. He's jealous for us. What are, what are some of the ways that can impact our lives? Well, number one, the revelation of covenantal jealousy should make us want to honor covenants even more. When we realize how zealous and passionate our God is for covenants, we should want to safeguard them and protect them closely. Recognizing what a big thing covenants are to God. A covenant is a sacred agreement that should be jealously guarded. You know, when you were baptized, and, and if you've been, never been baptized, we'd love to baptize you. And I've got the privilege of, in a couple of moments' time, baptizing someone else. Just We've been walking a road of discipleship together, and he says, yes, I want to be baptized, and it's going to be a celebration. That's the covenant ceremony of being joined to Christ. When we realize the sacredness of if I've been baptized in the Lord Jesus, I've been joined together. I'm now part of that new covenant, and God wants me to guard it and protect it. We should treasure the covenants that we're in. If you're married, that's a sacred covenant before God. In fact, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. Why? Because we understand this is a covenant, sacred, and we serve a jealous God who's zealous about covenants. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Covenants are sacred to God, and bad covenants become dangerous snares. I remember thinking way back when, uh, when I gave my life to Jesus. So this is all the way back. I was just finishing high school, and I'd given my life to Christ. I was about 18 years old, and obviously music was a big thing, but this is way back. So this is the day of, uh, of still the originals. Now LPs have come back, the vinyls, but this was the original time, and we had cassette tapes, and, and there was this move going through the church at the time about the danger of secular music, worldly music, and how some of that music is backtracked and dedicated to Satan worship. And, and there was uh, this teaching going on in the church, and, and they had some examples about some of, those, uh, some of those bands, you know, another one bites the dust. Apparently, if you put a backtrack on your LP, it's like on smoke marijuana or something, I don't know, something like this. And, and so literally, my friends and us, because now we are passionate about serving Jesus, we had some of our old LPs, and we're going backwards on the record player, listening around our station, there, there, and, and and I remember we smashed those records. We threw CDs away. We broke cassettes. And when I think about it now, it seems a bit silly, but that was passion at the time. That was that sense of, Lord, I'm in covenant with you now. I don't want anything impure into this covenant. Even if it means doing crazy things, we serve a God zealous, jealous for the purity of covenants. 
So number one, we learn to honor covenant so much more. Number two, we appreciate that God is jealous for us. He's not jealous of us. God does not envy. God is not needy. But he's jealous for us. Why? Because he wants the blessing of the covenant that he's made for us. He wants us to live in the freedom and the fullness and the joy and the protection and the favor of that blessing. He's jealous for us. He's not jealous of us. Some countries, they, uh, they allow you to, to carry dual citizenship. Now, what it means is, is you can literally be a, a citizen of one country, have a passport, and you can be a citizen of another country at the same time. So that means you can vote in this country and you can vote in that country. It's quite common that you could have t- dual citizenship, fully part of this country and that country. Well, let me tell you, not so in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is no dual citizenship. We are primarily a citizen of the kingdom of God, or we're not a citizen of the kingdom of God at all. In other words, Jesus is not, okay, you can be part of the world and part of the kingdom. No, we have to choose. Are you in or are you out? In the kingdom of God, no dual citizenship. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't have two presidents. You can't be under two constitutions. You have to choose. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, God knows that. Jesus knows this. And this is the conflict. This is why people lose that shalom inside of them, because they're trying to live dual citizenship lives. I want Jesus to be my Lord, but at the same time, I've got this little idol, this thing that I hold on to that is so precious in my life. And that's where the zeal, the jealousy of God is. He knows we'll only have peace and true joy when we surrender all of those little idols in our heart and say, Jesus, 100%, I follow you. God is jealous for us because he wants us to enjoy the blessings of covenant and not the danger of snares. There is only place for one on the throne of our hearts. So let me give you some of those dangerous snares, just a couple of of common examples. Remember, bad covenants become snares for us. They catch us and they trap us. There are a couple of examples when we fall into the snare of individualism over body. As New Testament followers of Jesus, we are in the body of Christ. And yet we live in a world that just celebrates, it's all about me, me time, individualism, humanism. Let's be careful that we don't elevate me above we. We're a body together. What about comfort over sacrifice? We live in a world that celebrates it. It's all about pleasure, convenience, happiness, suffering, free life. That's not kingdom. There are times when we are called to suffer for the name of Jesus. But if we've elevated comfort to an idol in our lives, then we'll never have peace inside because actually part of following Jesus means fellowship of suffering. What about materialism over generosity? In other words, we can allow greed and possessions to become more important than the wonder of living a generous life where we honor others and care for others. What about family over the Father? Let me tread carefully now. Here's the reality. Aren't we supposed to love our spouse? Of course. Aren't we supposed to love our children? Absolutely. But when you love them more than you love God, they have become idols. And remember, idols become bad covenants which become a snare. You're not called to worship your children. You're not called to worship your spouse. You're called to worship Jesus. And as you love Jesus, you become a better husband or wife. You become a better father or mother. Putting Jesus first releases his power and grace through us. 
What about sex over love? We live in this sex-obsessed world. And yet when we, when we put that over love, it can become about you and what you want, which is why we live in this world saturated with obsession, lust, addiction, sexual immorality. What about success over serving? Where we can elevate our own sense of status or competitiveness or reputation above God's call upon our lives to serve. What about recreation over worship? Where we can put our sports, our hobbies, our TV and all of that over Worshiping Jesus, which is what truly refreshes us and fills us. If good things become God things, then those good things have become bad covenants, which become a snare in our lives. And I know I tell this story so many times, but it's the one that just always comes to mind when I think about that, that girl who was so ministered to on Sunday and bubbling with joy. She came to tell me, from now on, I'm going to be at church every single Sunday. I love God so much, unless it's hot, because then we go fishing. In other words, what that basically means is God is here, but right up here is my true God, fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing, but if you love fishing more than you love God, then there is a problem because now it's become an idol and bad covenants become snares that can trap us. Let me finish off with this last one then. Implications for our lives is how do we respond to a jealous God? We respond with an all-in all in. I love what uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. One of the teachers of the law came and asked, and came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. In other words, when we get this revelation of God's passion for the purity of our covenant with him, it should produce an allness of our worship. Everything, all of your heart. That means all of your willpower. True worship is when our willpower is given back to God to become God's will. Our free will becomes God's will. That's worshiping with all your heart. With all your soul, that means your emotions. That means the love inside of us when you're finding your desires filled in God alone. With all your mind, that means your thought life when you allow your mind to be renewed by His Word when we fix our thoughts on Jesus. With all your strength, that means we use our physical strength to serve the Lord while we have the opportunity here on earth. I heard a quote once that says, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. You see, here's the thing. Our journey as followers of Christ should be a continual journey of surrender. The greatest place of victory is the place of greatest surrender to Jesus. All of our hearts. He wants every part of us completely given over to Him. I know in my life I've been going through this wrestle. I've realized just how much uh, free time. I mean, what is free time? Free time is me time. That, that's when I'm like, now I get to do what I want. And I've realized what an idol that thing becomes in our lives. Because now it's like, no, Lord, you can't expect me to go and do this and this. This is me. And, and those times actually don't become the fun times and the refreshing times. And I've, God has been challenging me. No, no, even your free time, can you surrender it completely to me? And I might get you in your free time to do things. Now my flesh is crying out, oh, all I want to do is blob on the couch. No, no, when you give, for me, giving over of free time, actually you discover the joy of serving God, even in that which you used to hold on to as yours. 
So there it is, dear friends, the controversial one. God said, I am a jealous God. Remember, God's jealousy is always only in the context of covenant. Covenants, because covenants are sacred to God. A covenant should bring blessing. Bad covenant, it becomes a snare. And remember, God is not jealous of us. He's jealous for us. He wants us to enjoy, appreciate, and benefit the wonder of the covenant he's made for us. So, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are jealous for me. It's a beautiful thing. And why don't you close your eyes with me? Wherever you are, if you're seated at home, just close your eyes for a moment. Father, I pray that this would become a a true revelation in our hearts right now. That your jealousy is not a negative thing. It's not a weakness in any way. It's a fire that burns inside of you for the sacred protection of the covenants that we walk in. Thank you, Lord, that you are jealous for me because you want the best for me. You want me to enjoy and live out and benefit from the safety and protection of the covenants that I'm in. And Father, I pray, let that truly become revelation, a place of freedom and joy for all of us. And friends, just while we've got our eyes closed for a moment, I want to ask you this morning, honestly, have you been honoring the covenants, the covenant that you have with God in Jesus Christ, have you been honoring that covenant? Or maybe as I read through a a list of some of those idols that have crept, have you allowed other things to become more important? Because remember what the Bible says, if you claim to be without sin, you're only deceiving yourself. But when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I want to remind you, repentance breaks bad covenants. Let me say it again. Repentance breaks bad covenants. I spoke a few times about sexual immorality as one of the ways that we make bad covenants that become a snare. And I would encourage you, if that's you, repent. Repent before God. Confess as sin. Lord, I've formed some illegitimate covenants in Jesus' name. Forgive me for my sin. Break those illegitimate covenants and set me free, and I dedicate myself afresh to being in covenant with you. Friends, maybe you've never entered into a covenant with God. You've never been baptized into Christ, surrendered your all to Him. And if that's you, Father, I pray right now that as you nudging hearts, wherever they might be, that you would would help people to open their hearts in trust and faith and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus is Lord, He saves. He washes us clean, forgives us of our sin, and we get a fresh start in life. Father, I pray that they would be truly born again, entering into a covenant with You. Thank You, Lord. And Father, I just want to pray blessing now, blessing upon the whole church, wherever they might be scattered around Richards Bay and different parts of the country. Father, I pray Your blessing, Your favor. Thank You for Your mighty hand stretched out against our enemies. Thank You for Your gracious hand that rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Thanks, Grace.